You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and my guest today is a returning guest. I believe this is now his third time on my podcast. He's a broadcaster in the Indianapolis area. He does it all. I could list everything he does, but I'd be here forever. It's the one, the only Greg Rakestraw. Greg, welcome back on the podcast, and I'm glad to have you. Stu, thanks for having me, buddy. Good to catch up with you again. All right, I want to start off with this. And and the reason I brought this up, was the reason I'm going to bring this question up or ask this question is I was listening to the Indiana High School uh, State Championships for football on the radio, and it was the last game of the, of the night. And for those who don't know, like if you're doing TV, then another guy does not does play-by-play for the radio. And if he does TV, you're doing play-by-play for the radio. I believe that's how that works. And I was it was the final game of the night, and I was listening to the guy who was doing radio do play-by-play, and his voice was completely just just shot at the end of the night. It, you know, you could <laughs> tell he had, been, he had done a marathon. He had done these games, everything else. And so it leads me to my question. When you do these, these days where you're calling – football game after football game after football game or basketball game after basketball game after basketball game. How do you protect your voice, Greg, to where when you get to that last moment and you have to be able to, to make a big call or whatever, your, your voice is still there. It's a great question. And, you know, some guys will, will swear by, you know, honey or tea or this thing called throat coat. Um, I just try to do things that I know wouldn't hurt my voice. Like, I am a very infrequent concert goer. I am not screaming at a concert ever uh, in fear of damaging my vocal cords. I don't smoke for many reasons. Uh, for what it could do to my vocal cords is one of them. I don't eat popcorn uh, ever around a broadcast. More about getting stuck in my teeth or getting kind of stuck in my throat. Try not to eat pretzels during a broadcast because you get salty, your, your mouth gets dry. You know, and there are times with as many games as I do that I worry about making sure I've got enough in the in the octave range to kind of get where I need to go. Um, but usually, just by doing a few preventative steps, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. Do you do anything, like, when, when you call these state games, right, knowing that you're probably going to do three or four or, or maybe more than that back-to-back-to-back, you can't help, you know, the games kind of dictate themselves. And if it's, a, if it's an exciting game, an exciting moment, you want your call to, to – reflect that but you also understand you got maybe two or three more games you got to do today so you can't necessarily you know get as excited as you would have liked to do you find yourself taking those measures or does that usually not a problem with with maintaining your voice as well only if i know i'm going into to a game and i'm and i'm not 100 percent, or i try to dial things back a little bit and, and from a state final standpoint it is now to the point where i don't do more than two games in a single day Okay. So, like, for example, I did the 1A girls on TV and 2A girls on radio. Now, I had a third game later that day. I had an IUPUI game that night, um, but I had a little downtime in between and went home, et, et cetera, and, and wasn't, you know, overly concerned about it. And usually three events is about the most that I'll do in a day. And as I tell people, the difference in doing that on radio and the difference in doing that on television and the amount of time you can let the picture tell the story and the so many less thousands of words that you say in a broadcast 
being on television compared to what you are, are doing on radio makes a lot easier. I had I had days, you know, years ago where I would do five baseball games in one day at a particular tournament. And as I would tell people, my Barry White impression was a lot better at the end of that day uh, than it was <laughs> beforehand. Um, these days now, when I do like three hours of talk radio, if I'll fill in on the fan to do that solo, I, I can tell it in my voice at the end of the day because I'm, I'm not used to talking that much, which I used to do on a daily basis and do a three or even a four hour, you know, solo daily show. So television and radio are, are such completely different animals in terms of the amount of words that you're putting out per minute. Um, you know, television, two in a day, you should be fine. Yeah, I, I get that. When you when you do what you do, as, as many games as you do, uh, you know, the high school games, the girls and boys basketball, keeping track of all the, the teams from the state, the work you do with the uh, the ISC, the the soccer, the IUPUI, how do you keep track of it all, Greg, and, and you don't lose your mind or, or start calling <laughs> somebody a player for, for IUPUI that played for – when you're calling a girl state championship game or boys or, or whatever, how do you keep track of all this and, and keep up with all of this at the same time? Cause I feel like when you're pulling from all these different angles, you know, you could, you could easily lose track if, if you're not honed in well enough. Well, I'm lucky enough that uh, we all have our different blessings in life and me having a photographic memory is one of those. Um, I was valedictorian in my high school senior class. Now, being where I'm from, that wasn't exactly a huge class. I was first of 29. I was lucky enough to go to college on a full academic scholarship. So I tend to th think I, I might end up being on, on the smarter end of things from a, uh, a brain power standpoint. And clearly it has paid off for what I do for a living. Um, but, but, you know, in, in, in basketball, you're really going to see seven or eight players on one team during the course of a game. You're going to see more than 12 usually in a given uniform. In soccer, you're going to see 30 players playing a match. And as the voice of the Indy 11, I know all of our guys by heart at this point. You know, even the guys that are our, our first-year guys, I did my first match of the season on Saturday night, and I can sit here and spit at you. Every player on the roster and a paragraph worth of facts on each of them because I've had them one time, and now I will broadcast games involving them at least 19 more times during the course of the season. It's, it's learning the other team and learning the other players. But at this point, a lot of the guys I have seen play for their current team or other teams around the league, I'm able just to kind of pull that out of my mind and say, yep, I'm still doing prep. I'm still updating notes, make sure I got you know relevant facts and figures and all of those guys. But I, I am lucky. This is I am doing what the good Lord intended me to do, and that's be a play-by-play -play guy because I have – a series of skill sets that lends itself to me to be able to do this for a living. Yeah. Photographic memory would, would definitely benefit me. I think, you know, with, and I only do, I only do football and basketball. And sometimes I, I struggle with, uh, with remembering names of, of opposing teams and those types of things, even when you see them multiple times a year, Greg, I, I want to transition out of this because I'm a Colts fan, I'm a huge Colts fan. And you do the post game shows and, and those types of things. And when, when the Colts have a season like they had, so and, and you do a post game show like you do, where you allow fans to call in, you know sometimes, as, as a fan myself, I can tell you we get a little crazy. And how when you work on a on a on a radio station and you're taking these phone calls and you're on for as long as you're on for, 
how do you, I guess, keep the ship on track and, and keep it going <laughs> when you got people calling in and especially people who are frustrated after, after a bad year, like the Colts had and all those types of things, but the, with the history that they've had of winning and not necessarily let things get off course. So it's a, it's a delicate balance to walk. Um, and I've told people this, that we probably had more pre-show meetings this year on that program <laughs> than we've had in, in my previous 10 years before, because I, I just wrapped up near number 11 this coming year, will be year number 12. And, and so the way that I approached it this year, and we frankly had more phone calls this year than we have ever had before in, in my decade of doing the show. <laughs> and, and, and I basically said, folks, I'm going to let you vent. Um, there are certain things as the Colts, I emphasize that word as in the official Colts postgame show. And I, and, and I let people know, folks, we are paid by the Indianapolis Colts to do that show. So there are certain things that I'll let you speak your opinion on, but I'm, I'm not, you know, when you go, what do you guys think about Frank Reich being fired? This would be like in week two. And I go, folks, and, and, and I literally told kind of Bill and Barry before the show, I said, guys, we're going to get this phone call. I know we are. Um, let me answer it. I'll throw it open. You just say a word if you want to. If not, that's fine. I'll kind of fall on a grenade here. And so second caller basically iterated what I what I just said. I said, all right, folks, let me explain something to you. I said, you know, we work for the Annapolis Colts. It's a Colts show. I said, we are here to give you a voice. We are here to let you vent. But there are certain things that we won't speculate on in terms of the future of the head coach, the future of the general manager. Now, we'll criticize Frank Reich. We'll criticize Chris Ballard. We'll criticize players. Um, but calling for somebody's job, calling for somebody to be traded, you're not going to hear that from us. And I was very, you know, matter of fact, I said, listen, there are other outlets that you can call and you can interact with where those parameters and those restrictions aren't applied to you. We are the official show of the team. This is part of the Colts Radio Network. I think most people got that. Some people didn't like it, but there's only so much I can do. But I also think because, again, we are the official Colts postgame show, I frankly, you know, try to be nicer to the callers for that reason. Because we are almost acting like operators for the Indianapolis Colts. When you call our show, you it's almost like calling the front desk of the Indianapolis Colts football team. And, and you are voicing your complaint as to what you just saw. So I let people kind of have some oxygen, so to speak, let them speak their piece. And there were some times I simply said, thank you for your call and moved on to the next one. <laughs> and other times where I said, hey, all right, here's where I disagree with your points. Or here's where I think you've got a valid point or a valid concern. So that, that was the line that I tended to walk. And Stu, I got through – the entire year without having anybody from the Colts front office complain about something that we said or did. So I must have done my job properly. And I'm pretty sure they're going to invite me back for another year coming up in the fall. Well, that'd be good. I, I love tuning in even after we win or lose listening to you and, and you know, your crew do the games. Here's the post game show. Here's the thing, Greg, you, you mentioned something. You said that you, you know, the front office hasn't called you and hadn't complained about what you said, but you also said in, in there that, you know, you guys, do at times criticize, you know, Chris Ballard, the players, the coach, whoever. Have you ever been told like, Hey, cut it back or, or let's not criticize this or, or maybe, maybe you criticize this, but there was more to it than that. Because I've heard 
on on other podcasts from other hosts where you know certain teams the GM the front office they well they want their guys to to criticize them because they welcome it they want it to be you know as honest as it can be and then there's other teams where they kind of they don't like that as much and they want it sure. to be for the brand and they want it to do those things so has there ever been a time where maybe you you've been told to reel it back or, or has there ever been a time where you've been like, I criticize this guy and I probably shouldn't have, or those types of things. Um, not once my first year doing this, I was basically told, Hey, you can be more critical if you want to be. Now let me explain, you know, what, what the setting was there. It was 2012. So it's the first year of Andrew luck. And I'm going into the season thinking this is a four or five win football team. And I think those conversations happened. The one brief conversation that said, hey, you, you can be more critical. It's okay. Um, when, when the Colts were like two and three, well, immediately they caught fire. They won their next seven games. They ended up going 11 and five and being a playoff team when no one outside of Jim Ursay or that locker room thought they had any prayer of being a football team. So I'm kind of like, what do you want me to be critical of? You realize our highest paid player is a guy named Dead Cap Space this year, right? You know, that we're that we're literally starting like five or six rookies offensively, and they're two and three. That's two more wins I thought they might have these first five games. Um, since that time, I have not heard, had one bit of feedback from somebody in the front office, whether it's PR, football operations, et cetera, saying, hey, dial it back. You guys are, are, are being too critical. That, that has not happened once, hand to God, in the 11 years that I have been doing this job. Now, let me say this. It is much easier that I am doing this job under the offices of Ryan Gregson and Chris Ballard than it would have been walking through the minefield that would have been doing it during the Bill Polian era. So let's, let's not lie about this, okay? Uh, sometimes you are the benefactor of time. And my beginning of doing this in 2012, you know, even though it's not been – there's been some success, but not as much success during the Bill Polian era. It's been easier for me to do my job and be, I think, more honest and open with fans than it would have been during Bill's time. Because for all of the greatness of Bill as a front office person, um, a bit more controlling in a lot of aspects than the, those that have followed him. Uh, and so uh, I, am, I am lucky uh, in whom I have been working for these last couple of regimes as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, I could only imagine what, what it would be like to do it with, with Bill Pulliam as the GM. I want to transition now to high back, back to high school, Greg. And I want to ask you how many basketball games do you do a year, boys and girls and, and football to where you're prepared enough to where when you see a team, maybe from the upper half of the state and a team from the lower half of the state, there are two opposite sides. It, it'd be hard to kind of see them, especially you, sure. know, you living right in the middle. But yet, I've listened to you do games. It's like you've been doing their games all year. So how <laughs> do you how do you do that in a sense where you know these small teams out of out of you know small town Indiana? Yet you come in, you broadcast the game, and it's like you've been doing their games all year. Well, it's there's always probably going to be one team that I know more. And so what I've got to be able to do is, A, show the same level of enthusiasm, you know, for both teams uh, and try to use the same amount of factoid slash nuggets 
um, you know, for each team. Oftentimes, how the game is played dictates the team as to whom you are going to talk about the most. Let's be blunt, okay? There are two great examples in the last five weeks as to testing my professionalism. One, because the amount of time that I have seen a team's, the other because I had relatives on the team. Uh, so let's go to that one first. So I'm doing the 1A Girls State Championship, and I am so thankful that the IHSAA allows me to do any state final, but let alone one involving my alma mater, my hometown. So Lanesville, for those who don't know, Southern Indiana native, Lanesville High School, class of 1994. Um, four of the top 14 players are literally related to me uh, on the Girls State Championship team. The star player, I went to high school with her dad. Like, we were teammates forever in every sport that we played. But weren't, weren't like, the closest friends. But, again, we're two of a class of 29. We kind of know each other um, just a little bit. And so I knew everything forwards and backwards about Lanesville going into that game. And for as excited as I was that my hometown was so good and was clearly the best team in 1A all year, uh, I, I had to make sure that I knew about Bethany Christian and knew their story and was just as excited when they would do something well. Now, thankfully for me, from the Lanesville perspective, Lanesville never trailed in that game. They got out to a big lead. Bethany never got it closer than, say, 11 in the second half. Lanesville won by 18. So I probably talked more Lanesville in the broadcast just because they were playing from in front the entire time. So I got the benefit of the doubt. I believe there was one official complaint registered to the IHSAA because the Lanesville guy did the Lanesville game, I think. And out of the thousands that were uh, that were watching, if I got one complaint, I'm doing my job. I, I, I think I did all right. Now, let's fast forward to two weeks ago. And I'm doing the Ben Davis and Kokomo game. And I have seen Kokomo play numerous times. We had the bunch on ISC this year. In fact, I think I'm literally going to do the math out loud with you here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we at ISC had them eight times, only did one of their games. But Kokomo has a wonderful guy. It's a friend of mine named Dean Hockney who serves as their sports information director. Stuart, you know this. this you have these at the college level. You don't have them at the high school level. Yeah. So literally, I'm at the state finals. We have a media session. We have a meeting with coaches the Monday before we play on a Saturday for football and for basketball. Uh, for the other sports that I do, we basically get their email and their phone number, and it's up to us to contact them and have a conversation and learn more about their team. But we had to actually have a, a sit-down. And I have known Kokomo's coach dating back to his playing days for Dane Fife at IPFW. So I've known Coach Peckinpah for 15 years. So he and I know each other. We, we talk on a semi-regular basis. So that made it easier, too. But the flip side is that was literally the 15th time I had had Ben Davis this year because of how good they were, because we have the rights to the MIC, the conference they're in on ISC, because they played in every major event that we televised. They're in the Hall of Fame Classic. They're in the Marion County Tournament. Uh, they were in the Forum Tip-Off Classic. They're in the Sneakers for Santa, where they where they played Kokomo. So by March, dude, I could, I could tell you the players' middle names and social security numbers for Ben Davis. <laughs> and so... And so, I, I again, I was trying to balance to make sure I had the same amount of factoids I could use for Kokomo and use for Ben Davis. So in that case, being as excited for one team or the other wasn't as big of an issue as it might have been for the Lanesville-Bethany Christian game. 
but I had to make sure that I wasn't overkilling my vast knowledge of Ben Davis and being able to point out, yeah, well, this guy did this in this game. This guy did this in this game. This is the playing rotation. It's great to know that, but it kind of tilts the broadcast to make it more of a pro Ben Davis broadcast. So, you know, it's, it's professionalism. It's, it's learning how to balance things. And believe me, for as great as it has been that, that there have been two Lanesville State Championship uh, in school history, and I have been on the broadcast of both of them, which Stewart, having graduated from there right before the beginning of class sports, I kind of liken to the Normandale line from the, from the Hoosier gym where he goes, it's kind of like me and you going to the moon. If you had told me, you know, 30 years ago, hey, you're going to be broadcasting Lanesville and State Finals, I had you committed to an insane asylum. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I have now done that for as enjoyable as it is. It is very nerve-wracking for me going into it to make sure that the I know the folks from Lanesville can think I did a great broadcast. I know it. I want to make sure the folks from Rossville or Bethany Christian or Daleville, which is the state final that Lanesville lost, but I did as well the year before in baseball, I want to make sure that those guys think I did a great job on the broadcast too. Yeah, I think that's important, you know, to – I mean, like you can't help that Lanesville made it, but I think it's important to show that, you know – that you do have professionalism despite their your alma mater making it. You know, both of our alma maters, you said Lanesville won their class A state championship. My alma mater won their state championship in, in, in girls high school basketball. So good year. Good year. I didn't get to call the obviously I don't I don't call the games like you do, but I got to sit at home and watch it. It was it was just as nerve wracking watching it at home as I imagine it would have been watching sure, absolutely. It on yep. TV or calling the game. Greg I'm going to wrap it up with, with, with this is you've done a lot of games in your time, soccer, basketball, football. We talked about it. It, it. Is there one, maybe two that stands out in particular that are maybe your favorite or the ones that you go back and you say, you, you think about those memories and, and you think about it fondly, whether it was a good game, a, a, a not so good game, but something great happened or, or, sure broadcast wise is there one of those games for you that that you think back on and it, it brings you fond memories when you think about it so i'll give you two great and three terrible right, uh and the three good. the three terrible are, are all things out of my con- I mean, and one of them really wasn't terrible uh but it's it, like when i'm speaking to broadcast classes i go hey here are the three things that can happen to you okay but but here here, here are my favorite ones you, since you mentioned soccer it immediately went to my brain the indy 11 in, in 2016 played the north american soccer league in that league, we had a spring season and a and a fall season, kind of like you see in like single A baseball. We have like a spring season winner, fall season winner. They both make the playoffs. A couple of teams make the playoffs, and, and off we go. Well, the spring season, literally, was everybody in the league played each other one time. It was it was a nine game sprint. We got to the last game of the spring season, and we were three points behind the team that was in first. There were 11 teams in the league that year, so there was a bye, and they had the last bye. So we knew exactly what we had to do to win. We had to score at least three, had to win by three, and we would have won on the fourth tiebreaker. So, and and we were a team that, that was a we were winning a lot of one nil games <laughs> that year, playing a lot of nil nil draws. Obviously, we played differently, knowing what we needed to do. Got a, got an early first half goal. Got us, got another first, gave up, gave up a goal. Like, okay, hey, and literally, as the, and we could be a little more, you know, partial on these broadcasts, but it was, it was literally like the best I've ever felt like after a visiting team going, hey, it's okay. 
had one to play with. No big deal. Now you got to score four. What, what, you know, you're good. Um, score before halftime. And just kind of the buildup as he got closer and scored a third time. Like, oh, my God, we get one more goal. You know, it, it, it's in. Um, and, and we did about 10 minutes before the end of regulation. And to know you had a playoff berth wrapped up like five months before those playoffs were going to happen uh, was a little surreal. Um, it's the one time on a broadcast that me and my partner have downed a beer. We had those in the postgame <laughs> show, like on camera, like cheers. And, 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 you know, we didn't exactly go stone cold Steve Austin, but we, we enjoyed a <laughs> beverage uh, while we were uh, on live television. Uh, literally our fans stormed the field and one of our, one of, and we got this on camera. They didn't tend to one of our fans handed one of the players a beer and he shotgunned that thing uh, <laughs> on live TV. And oh, it was, it was so good. So good. So that's the miracle to Mike. That's June 11th, 2016. Now what makes that day even more special for me to bring it back to Lanesville? Lanesville won the baseball semi-state that day. And I knew I was going to be, be having the broadcast the next week. And that was also a day where I did two softball state championship games. Pretty good day for, in the Rakestraw household. June 11, 2016, professionally, that's a very tough day uh, to, uh, to top. Favorite basketball game. Go to my days at, at, uh, at doing the play-by-play. You know, it's not, not the Lanesville State Championship game. It's close. Um, but doing my, my days of doing the IUPUI games, we win the conference tournament in 2003. I know I'm getting to broadcast a game in the NCAA tournament. We actually was in Kansas City. We flew out to Kansas City. We were going to bus home because uh, we can bus home overnight and be home quicker that way um, than we would have been flying. And so after we cut down nets and celebrate, we're, just, we're on this bus for seven hours. And, you know, we'd, we'd just be, you know, there's 25 of us or so on the bus. Maybe not that, maybe it's 20. And, and we'd be talking about who we're going to be playing and what's next. And this is, Pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, you know, we all had our cell phones and text messages and phone calls and stuff like that. But about every 30 minutes, we'd start realizing what we were talking about and just start laughing. We're like, dear God, this was an NAI program six years earlier. We're talking about going to the NCAA tournament. Um, and so so those, those immediately come to mind. Here are the negative ones. You didn't give them to you in chronological order. They happen within a span of about two years. So... I'm doing the preseason television the night that Andrew Luck retires and that it's found out that he is going to retire. And the whole kind of machinations of when do we announce this? How do we phrase this? How does this get covered? And so I've got to, I've got to do that on live television. And I'm the person that then is going to go host the postgame show <laughs> and deal with that for the next three hours. You referenced my voice. My voice was shot that I had, I had, I had been sick the week previous and did the previous Saturday night's game not feeling great, but the voice was fine. Well, finally, after hacking that out of my system over a few days, voice was gone the next weekend. That's when it happened. So, like, literally, the Andrew Luck podcast that Zach Keefe put together this past summer was really good. Like, my voice is one of the first things that you hear on it as I'm reading the press release the statement that's on the screen. And it took me a couple of minutes to realize, hey, dummy, that's you. You didn't sound like me. But that was me that did that. And so I've always told people, I said, listen, if I can handle Andrew Luck retiring on network television, I think I can pretty good in crisis communications. Well, it's funny how that plays out. So 
I guess that would have been 2019. Yep. So then let's fast forward to June of 2021, get an Indy 11 broadcast. Indy 11 got beat 1-0. We always talk to the head coach in the postgame show. He basically resigns to me on live television. And as he's doing this, again, on television, we have these talkback buttons where we can hit a button, not go over the air. Producer can hear us. Other talent can hear us, et cetera. And as the coach is doing this, I hit my talkback button, and I, and I literally look to my – and he's – the coach is, is, is like 20 feet away from us. It's a different headset location. So he can kind of see us, but he's locked into the camera. So I hit talk back. I look at I look at my partner. I go, "Are you hearing what I'm hearing?" He goes, "Yes." I said, "Okay." I said, "Let's ask him stuff that's specific to the game where he can't revisit that." And so we ask him like two or three more questions. It's about specific players, and that way he doesn't expand it. And I basically go, "Hey, Martin, I know what's on your mind. You know, you and I will talk off the air soon. Thank you for your time on a rough night, you guys. I really appreciate that. Thank you." And we move on and. We go to break, and I go, I go to the producer. I said, did you hear that? He goes, yeah, I heard it. I said, okay. So I'm, like, texting people. I said, hey, just so you know, it's going to come down to Pike. In other words, the coach just resigned to us. Be ready for this to hit social media. And people go, well, how did you handle that so so well? I said, Andrew Luck re- re- retired on me 18 months ago. So now the third thing I want to tell you is, is going to put both those two to shame. So now let's go to week seven of the 2021 high school football season. And I'm at Ben Davis, and they're playing Carmel, and we're in the fourth quarter, and gunshots break out outside of the stadium. And I knew what it was immediately. I look to my I, – I, I, I pause for just a second, and it's me in my mind going through the mental checklist of what all this could be. And I kind of turn to my right. Because there have been fireworks set off before the game. I kind of look at my right, and I go, and I don't say anything. I just look, and I go, and I, and I, and I take a deep breath because I'm like, it's not fireworks. And we show a camera shot of, like, players running towards the locker room. And it, it hits me. I'm like, you got to say something. I'm like, folks, we heard what you just heard, and you see the result. We believe that's gunfire somewhere near the stadium. We're gonna we're gonna take a break, and we will come back immediately to keep you posted as to what's happening. And my producer goes break, and I, and I hit the talk back. I said break now. In other words, if that gunman was going to get in the stadium, I did not want it televised on live TV. Thankfully, it was two people really had nothing to do with the game; just happened to be there. One pulled a gun on the other. Thankfully, the person was a terrible shot. And, and the, well, there was a person hit, but it was targeted at one person, and that person went to the hospital but was fine, is fine, don't know their status 18 months later. But now, instead of doing play-by-play for football, I'm doing live news. And I also know that in this case, we had a couple more breaks to fill, and, and I've got a certain set time that I have to fill. And obviously, we're not breaking away until I kind of know, hey, what's our status? Are we done for the night? Game ended, it's at which you, you knew in your mind the game was going to be over. You know, it was a 12-point game with six minutes to play or something along those lines. So now we're on live TV, and it's me and my partner, and he and I have been doing games together for years. And so we're just trying to paint big picture and not speculate. And I basically have a headphone pulled back so I can hear PA and, and things like that. 
And so when I would see somebody on screen, I would just tell people, matter of fact, like, folks, this is the athletic director at, at Carmel, or this is the assistant AD at Carmel. That's the AD at, at Ben Davis. This, these are the Knights officials. Here's the head coach. Here's the director of security. And I could kind of walk people through, you know, what had been happening. I didn't read any more sponsor mentions. I didn't want, you know, that you don't, you don't go, you don't have commercials during hurricane coverage, right? You know, or, 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 break, or break. Well, let's face it, you know, with the tornadoes just rolled through on Friday night as, as you and I are taping this. Yeah. You know, you're on live TV for an hour and a half. You're not, hey, it's brought to you by. No, you're, you know, you're doing, so we did the same thing. I played commercials so we can kind of reset. Um, but but try not to speculate. Uh, and then I and I could kind of hear the PA guy say, "Hey, we're done for the night. We're wrapping up. This game's considered final. You know, it's 35-23. That's the final score. Carmel wins. But obviously, that's secondary in our minds. So we ended up carrying for about 15, 20 minutes before I then you know threw to break. And I got a note: Hey, the news crew is coming out. They want you to walk to them and and talk with them immediately. I said sure. And so I handled that. And I got a lot of got a lot of kudos for for how I handled that because and and, and I told people so. Listen, I said. It's an easy transition for a sports guy to be a news guy because you're used to spitting out facts as to what you see, you know, immediately. It's, it's a quick transition. News is obviously much more important than what we do in, in, in terms of sports. But, you know, telling the facts and not trying to overly opine or have an opinion on them or not speculate in that scenario. I said, so I'm thankful I did a great job, but I am far more thankful that that person in the stadium. And I'm also thankful that the folks at Ben Davis have a significant security presence at games period. So as that, as that there's, there's two press boxes at Ben Davis, the main press box, we're kind of in the auxiliary press box on the, on the visiting side. It was on our side of the field. And we probably had a camera position hundred feet away from where this happened. Our camera guys never panicked. They're all guys that have a background in television, news, or sports, so they kind of knew how to react, what to do, et cetera. But as I looked left to kind of see, is that person go, are people going to try to get into the stadium? At the same time, everybody's running in the opposite direction. There's police people that are going towards that. So I was so thankful for them and that uh, what was an awful situation could have been so, so much worse. Yeah, definitely definitely could have been you talked about the uh transitioning to news you know that's one thing when i that's one thing i i give my program for uh that i went to usi a lot of credit for is they you know they taught us obviously i've never had to use it like you did but they do they did tell us and they did teach us like there's going to be times where sports and news you know whether it be in a situation like that or a situation in like like covid where where sports get sure. shut down, where you gotta you gotta transition out of sports and into into a news thing. So you know those skills coming are are very handy in sports, and you may never use them, you may never use them, or you may have a, an instance like that where where you do use them, and just thank God everybody was all right. Thank God you were all right, and and that the uh, you know no players were shot or or hurt or anything like that. Yeah, for me, the experience would be, you know, broadcasting on 9-11. So, mm-hmm. so I, I was, you know, 24 at the time, and I was the sports director. I was doing morning sp- morning news and an evening talk show at a station in, in Franklin uh, that was kind of a, 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 you know, secondary market station in Indianapolis, and we were a full news talk station. And I just happened to be I, – I, usually I would call in those sports reports. On that day, I was in the studio. And so I was in the studio all day and couldn't leave the studio all day. 
And what was my six to nine sports talk show? Obviously, it was a six to nine show that had nothing to do about sports. And and so that training in life early in my career was a, hey, what you do is important. It's not it's not everything, man. <laughs> There's far. I, I think I had I think I had that perspective before, but I really had it afterwards. That dude, you're in the sandbox of life in sports. Okay, don't take your job seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. All right, this is sports that we're talking about here. Um, but but it was that trial by fire in terms of hey, you know, there are times you got to shift into news mode. Um, and and clearly on that night, twenty years later, we did. Yeah, for sure. Well, Greg, hey, I appreciate this. I, I always love having you on. You're fun to talk to. You bring a good perspective, and and I think you know what I like. What I like the most is I always get something new every time. Every time we chat, <laughs> whether it's a a new nugget, a new perspective, or a new way to look at things. So. Thank you for coming back on, Greg, and uh, just good luck with all your all your endeavors the rest of the year and everything you got. And at some point, some point, it, take a vacation. You do a lot. You go to a beach somewhere, enjoy a nice beer, and 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 put your feet up. That was last week for me, and my beach was a cabin in Brown County where nobody could hear me for like a mile and a half. So that was my uh, Aaron Rodgers pit of darkness ayahuasca for about four or five days, and. Uh, and now I'm recharged and ready to go. But thanks for the kind wishes and always appreciate my time on the show with you. Of course. Thank you. Hey, and for those of you listening at home, listen, you guys are a big way to help the show grow. Please share it. Send it to your friends, your family, your boss. I don't care. Send it to their work email, their their non-work email, their Twitter DMs, whatever, to help the show grow. Please do so. I, I really appreciate it. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one, and I will see you next week.